This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. So I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you so much for your hospitality. Uh, let's get into the word. I want us to look at Luke chapter 4. You can keep playing for a moment. Luke chapter 4. Uh, I'm going to read this and I'm going to come back. Um, I know we sent some scriptures. I don't know if they uh, got to you yet. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Somebody who's in the media booth, wave at me if you have. Oh, good. All right. Awesome. Um, let's read this together. It says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to recover sight to the blind to set liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. Um, I am, we're going to get back to that scripture in just a moment, but um, in, in accordance to the theme that, that the Lord has given pastor for, for, for this entire gathering, um, I, I want to speak to us just for just another few moments here on the dominion of faith. And uh, I want to speak, uh, and, and there's some revelation behind this, and I just want to make sure that, that we all are together, uh, but I want to speak to us on the dominion of faith. This is something that the Lord began to, to burden on my heart on the plane as we were uh, flying uh, over the ocean uh, to get here, and I, I'm excited about releasing uh, what the Lord has given us. Um, one of the most unique and powerful descriptions of any individual, group, or organization is that of a trailblazer. If someone says that someone is a trailblazer, that's a very unique descriptor because a trailblazer is typically one who not only does something that was previously thought to be impossible or never done before, but they're also one who creates a blueprint or a pattern for others to follow and usually uh, for others to go after or, or go even farther than what they did before. A trailblazer is someone who not only does something that's never been done, but also creates a a blueprint or a pattern for others to follow after and go further. Trailblazers are usually not recognized for what they do while they're doing it. They're, they're typically not appreciated uh, for, for what they do at the time that they do it. Typically, trailblazers are celebrated after they're finished or usually uh, after their retirement or when someone else comes along uh, that's doing something and then you go back and you say, wow, that person couldn't have done that if it had not been for this person. Um, trailblazers blaze a path uh, into to ways for people to see and experience things that they've not experienced before. I would venture to say, even though I have not been uh, uh, throughout the whole of Zimbabwe, this is my first time in this nation, I would venture to say uh, that this ministry is a trailblazing ministry. Not only blazing a path that probably hasn't been blazed before, but also creating a blueprint for others to follow. And so trailblazers don't typically get the credit for being a trailblazer while they're doing it. Uh, and, and one of the things that we say about trailblazers uh, is that they are ahead of their time. 
We, we, we speak about people uh, who are trailblazers and, and, and we, we, we give the, the moniker, we say they were ahead of their time. Uh, this person or this group was ahead of their time. And that's an interesting phrase to me, to be ahead of your time. Because in order for people to say that, um, that must mean that it's possible. Uh, are you with me? I just want to make sure we're still here. Uh, if you think about, you, you would say, how is it possible for someone to be ahead of time unless time can be circumvented? Most of our limited understanding of time is that time moves in straight lines. In other words, it, it is chronological or it is consecutive, which means that one thing has to come after another or something has to happen before another thing happens. That's called sequential order or linear thinking. However, God is not linear. The self-existent one is eternal. He doesn't live in time, nor is he constrained by time. God is eternal. He lives outside of time and its limitations. He's not limited by time. He created time, and the Bible says that he holds time in his hands. There are, there are at least two types of time described in Scripture. Uh, in, in the Greek words, one is, is chronos, which, which is where we get the word chronological, which means step-by-step step or sequential. In other words, our clocks uh, operate by chronological time. Uh, it, it can't be one o'clock or it can't be two o'clock until it's one o'clock. That's, that's chronological order. Chronos uh, is one descriptor of time, which is chronological or step by step. There's another descriptor in the scripture uh, concerning time. It's another Greek word, and it's called kairos time. Uh, and kairos is an appointed time or a set time, uh, meaning it's a time when God sets. So the best way that you could describe uh, kairos time is when God decides. Because most things, and I have to set up all of this so we can understand the scriptural context of where we're going to go prophetically in just a moment. Because most things tend to operate in chronological order, the enemy has been using delay as a weapon or an illusion and a distraction to frustrate believers, causing us to work for what is already done as if it still needs to be done. Delay is a tactic of the enemy for people who don't understand how God operates in time. Can I say it again? Delay is a tactic that the enemy uses for a people who don't fully understand or embrace how God works with time. Uh, so what the enemy tries to do, um, just understand he cannot stop the works of God. As a matter of fact, he can't really even stop the people of God. Lack of faith does that. It's not that he can do that. What he, what he tries to do is distract us uh, and give us illusions that cause us to believe that what we're seeing is real when actually he can't actually stop what God has planned. So, so we see this play out uh, very vividly in Daniel chapter 10. Uh, you don't have to put it up on the screen. I'm just going to summarize it for just a moment. Uh, Daniel uh, receives a, a vision from the Lord. It troubles him. Uh, he, he goes and he fasts for 21 days uh, with this vision. Uh, he, he's, he's praying and believing God. Uh, but, but the revelation of the vision did not come for 21 days because the Bible says that when God sent the angel with the response to the answer, or the 
the answer to his revelation, what happened is that the, the spirit prince of Persia held him up for 21 days. In other words, what the enemy was trying to do was delay. But, but look at what, what happened in the realm of the spirit. The Bible says that the angel said to Daniel, the day that you prayed, your request was heard in heaven. The day that you prayed. So what was happening here is the enemy could not stop the decree of God. All he was trying to do was to delay it. Why was he trying to delay it? Because he was hoping that Daniel would be out of position by the time the answer came. But look at where, the, where we find Daniel. Where we find Daniel is he was in the same place as he was before, believing God. What the enemy is looking for is to try to distract and delay to cause people to move out of position. One of the reasons why some of us are not hearing the answers from God is because we get frustrated when it doesn't happen on our time. Okay, okay. I read, I read Luke chapter 4. Like I, I got to make sure I get to the end because I don't want to hit 45 minutes and then not be finished. Um, and I know that most of you are not used to this side of me because you've heard me sing, but you've never heard me speak, but we do pastor a church in Orlando. So some of y'all are kind of like, wait a minute. <laughs> You're not- Check one, okay. Um, so some of y'all are like, wait a minute, we're not talking about worship or when you're going to sing. Later. The Lord has a word. Look at the person next to you and say, the Lord has a word. Trust me, I deal with this quite a bit as we travel and we begin to speak around and, and, and people are like, okay, are, are you going to sing? And then maybe about half hour into it, they, they start paying attention. Um, if, I'm, I'm going to layer something here, so you've got to pay attention early. Good? All right. Luke chapter 4 is what I call the authority of fulfillment. The authority of fulfillment. Uh, I'll read it once again. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up as his custom was. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty all those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And this is powerful here. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. All the eyes uh, of those who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus made an announcement that was major. He was, the announcement was a fulfillment of prophecy. It was the result, the result of the announcement was immediate access to the finished works even though he was still there on the earth. Okay, okay, okay. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. I have a lot of scripture for you. Follow with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says this. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with the resounding yes, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Look at this again. For all of God's promises have been, can, can, can we talk back here? For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. What did Jesus say in Luke chapter 4? Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, you're, you're ahead. Oh, yes, good, good. Um, um, uh, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, that all the promises of God find their fulfillment in Christ. In other words, what many are waiting on has already happened. <laughs> when God speaks to us from the eternal into time concerning the future, he is speaking to us about what is already done. If, if you'll grab a hold of this today, you're going to know how to leave out of here, rise up and reign. If, if you'll grab a hold of this. When God speaks to us from eternity into time concerning the future, he is speaking to us about what is already done. We're just catching up to it in time. Remember, God is eternal. He lives outside of time and its limitations. He's not limited by time. He created time and holds time in his hands. Whenever God says anything, it manifests. When God says anything, it manifests. In other words, when God speaks to us, he's not speaking to us about what will be. He's speaking to us about what already is. He's speaking to us about finished works. What is time? Time is the landing strip for the finished works of God to appear. When Jesus came into the earth, acceleration of time was revealed. When Jesus came into the earth, acceleration of time was revealed. Now, I know I'm saying some, some heavy statements here, but stay with me. God, as we know, is omnipresent. That means that he's everywhere at the same time. But do you know what it also means? It also means that he fills all times at the same time. He's not only everywhere at the same time, but he fills all times at the same time. In other words, to God, there's no past, present, or future. There's only present. Only now. Eternity is an ever-present now. This is why Jesus said something to us uh, in John chapter 4, verse 35. Can we put up John chapter 4, verse 35 really quick? John chapter 4, he says this, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up, look around, the fields are already ripe for harvest. Um, the context, of course, was he administered to the, to, to the Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, she, she has this exchange with him that is so powerful that she goes back into her city to tell everyone about who Jesus is. And so when the disciples come back and they see him sitting there, they're like, what's going on? He's still sitting there. He's still waiting. And, and that the context of it uh, biblically is that the entire city is now coming out to hear Jesus. That's, that's, the, that's the context of it. But, but from what we need to grab from this is from the time of sowing until harvest, the reason why he made that statement was because the time between sowing and harvest was anywhere between four to six months. And so essentially what would happen is whenever you would plant, you would expect a harvest, but you would not expect the harvest until later. And so essentially um, whenever you would plant a seed and expect a harvest based on chronological time, all the farmer could do between sowing and reaping was wait. So Jesus is saying the idea of saying that you have four months and then comes the harvest is essentially saying we have time. 
Now, this is where I'm going to challenge us because as we begin to hear uh, the word of the Lord preach and specifically the prophetic word of the Lord preach, uh, many of us don't grab a hold of it the way that we should because we are living uh, in a chronological world and because we're living in a chronological world, we're assuming that the word uh, is going to take a long time. And so therefore, we don't act on it when we hear it. But those who understand who their God is, whenever the Lord begins to release a word, specifically that which is prophetic, what they understand is God is not speaking about what can be or will be. He's speaking about what is. The question is, will you? Somehow, we embrace the idea that we have time. But that's why uh, Amos prophesies in Amos chapter 9, verse 13. Uh, he says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, the treader of the grapes, him who sows seed. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills flow with it. In other words, the day is coming when those sowing will be on the field at the same time as those reaping. In other words, the the time will be collapsed. What you believe will take a long time is going to happen quickly. This is going to bless you in a moment. This is going to bless you in a moment. I got to lay this foundation. Uh, The day is coming, Amos 9, the day is coming where time will be removed from the equation. Oh, I need us to get that right there. The day is coming where time will be removed from the equation as it relates to receiving the word of the Lord. Okay, okay, okay. This scripture, Amos chapter 9, represents acceleration. Somebody say acceleration. Acceleration. Somebody say it again. Say acceleration. The dominion of faith is what gives us access to acceleration. Our God uses words to create worlds. Okay. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. I'm I'm rushing through some of this just so that we can make sure we have enough time since we're in the chronological place. By faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. I'll just read it. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that everything, so that what is seen is not made out of things visible. The word of God creates everything we see. There's nothing there until God speaks, but when he speaks, it's there. There's nothing there until God speaks, but when God speaks, it's there. Every time God speaks, something manifests. The word of God creates everything we see. As a matter of fact, God's word is so powerful. This is just an interesting fact. Scientists say that the universe is expanding in all directions. They discovered that with Hubble. uh, That the universe is expanding right now in all directions. That's amazing to me because in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, God said, let there be light. But he never told light to stop. So right now, light is still piercing the darkness. 
Hallelujah. When God speaks, you got to grab this. When God speaks about the future, he's not speaking about what he's going to do. He's speaking about what is finished. Faith, faith is the only way to see it. Faith is the only way to see it. Um, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20 says this. I didn't give you this scripture because it's really, really short. It says, don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't scoff at prophecies. I said something bold at our church. I'll say it to us here. For the believer to despise or scoff at prophecy is to reject faith. Prophecy is a foretelling of the future. It is a revelation of the heart and mind of God. It is a mystery brought out into the open so that what is a mystery becomes clarity. Prophecy places a demand on the present by giving you a glimpse of the future, causing you to evaluate where you presently are as it relates to the future. Prophecy, uh, whenever the, the Lord, whether it's a personal prophecy or a corporate prophecy, whenever he begins to speak a word to us, it causes us to immediately evaluate where we are as it relates to the word that he's spoken. Prophecy tests your character. Um, uh, Psalm 105 verse 19 speaking about Joseph it says until the time that his word came to pass the, the word of the Lord tested him um, uh, the New Living Translation says it this way until the time came to fulfill his dreams the Lord tested Joseph's character prophecy or the word of the Lord is sure Numbers chapter 23 verse 19 says this God is not a man So he does not lie. He is not human. So he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Prophecy is sure, but individual fulfillment is connected to faith. Am I saying too much for you? Are are we good? Are we good? Prophecy is sure, but individual fulfillment is connected to faith. Okay, faith is what aligns us with the future. Seeing through the eyes of faith is what allows you to see the future as now. Okay, I said everything I said about time and faith so that you could grasp this. Faith is the access point to a timeless existence. Are you serious? She put up a sign and said, I got 15 minutes. (laughs) Okay, faith, faith. I'm not going to be able to finish, so I'm going to just find a landing spot. (laughs) Faith is the access point or the entry point to a timeless existence. What is a timeless existence? A timeless existence is a place where the future can arrive at any time of God's choosing. Hmm. It is a place where chronology takes a back seat to God's set time. <laughs> Hallelujah. What, what is an appointed time? It's whenever God decides to release something. Walking, moving, and living by faith says I'm ready now. Now is an important word because it causes us to understand something. I'm going to have you repeat this. You may not understand it, but I'm going to explain it. Time serves faith. 
Say it with me. Say, time serves faith. Say it again. Say, time serves faith. One more time. Say, time serves faith. Let me say it to you another way. Time obeys faith. Now, let me be clear with this. Faith doesn't cancel time, but it rules over time, allowing us to access the future ahead of time. Let me, let, me, let me say it again. I think some of y'all might have started to get it right there. Faith doesn't cancel time, but it rules over time, allowing us to access the future ahead of time. Where are the trailblazers in the room? Those who are ahead of time. Those who are ahead of time. Time has not been canceled, but for those who walk and live by faith, time is not a discouraging thing in the equation. In other words, if God said it, when we believe it, we have the ability to grab hold of it now. Even though it might have looked like it was going to take 20 years, even though it looked like it was going to take 50 years, even though it looked like it was going to take the rest of your lifetime, time obeys faith. And when the believer is ready, God says the future is now. Hallelujah. Let, 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 me, let, me give you, let me give you a scripture to prove it. Uh, John chapter 2. John chapter 2, starting with verse 1. I'll read it. I'll read it quick. I'm, <laughs> the funny thing is I'm, I'm, I'm teaching about time and I don't have enough. <laughs> uh, the Bible says this. The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivity. So Jesus' mother told him they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. <laughs> but his mother, like my mother would have done, ignored him turned to the servants and said, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby, there were six stone water pots used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now go dip some out and take to the master of the ceremony. So the servants followed the instructors. When the master of the ceremonies tasted the water, that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew. I called the bridegroom over. The host always serves the best wine first. Then everyone has had a lot to drink. He brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now, not last because everything with Jesus is now miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him faith his mother's caused a miracle to happen before it was I, I need you to get this because if, if you would get this and begin to walk in the dominion of faith, then the things that God wants to release in the earth, the things that God wants to release in this house, the things that God wants to release in Zimbabwe, you begin to grab a hold of them right away. And people will begin to wonder, how are they getting that so quickly? How is that happening so quickly? Because there is a people who understood that time serves faith. Time obeys faith. Faith causes things to happen before time. Okay, tell me how much time I have. Okay. The, the, the hurdle between now and the future is a word called pragmatism. 
Pragmatism uh, is a reasonable or logical way of doing things. In a specific context of faith, pragmatism is essentially you trying to figure out how to make it happen on your own. This is what happens quite a bit. Um, One of the greatest challenges that we have, specifically in the Western world uh, and and America a lot uh, as it relates to prophetic things, is that we're teaching people how to figure out how to make the word of the Lord happen on their own. We're, we're, We're teaching them steps instead of faith. We're, we're teaching them how to, to figure it out in their own strength. And so essentially what happens is um, once uh, people hear something from God, uh, tip, or, or they say they hear something from God, but if it's uh, in your ability to do, it's probably not from him. If you can do it without him, it's probably not from him. And so what, what, what we do a lot of times is we'll do it, and then if it works, we give God the credit. I don't have time. Faith is what allows the faithful to endure the tension between present afflictions and future deliverance. Faith is what gets us over the hurdle between where we are now and what we see. Now, Jesus made a statement, and I need you to hear this um, because I know I'm not going to be able to finish everything here. But Jesus made a statement on the cross. He said, it is finished. I told you that time is a landing strip for the finished works of God to appear in the earth. Jesus said, it is finished. Now, now listen to, to what Isaiah said when he was prophesying about the coming Messiah. He said um, uh, in Isaiah chapter 53, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Present tense. It's available. It's available. That's, that's what he was saying. It's available. Um, but, but, but listen to what Peter says about the same thing. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Um, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Past tense. Already happened. In the middle, something incredible began to happen. And I know I won't have time to finish it, so I'll try to land the plane uh, somewhere around in here. Something incredible began to happen. Gentile people, outsiders to the covenant, began to crash timelines. Can I say it again? Jesus shows up on the earth, makes a statement in Luke chapter 4. Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, every thing that God ever promised a believer finds its fulfillment in me, meaning that everyone has immediate access, although everyone doesn't know it. And so, take some more time. Hallelujah. (laughs) Now, keep in mind, he just said more. He didn't say how much, so I'm still landing the plane. (laughs) So, 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 what happens is the Gentiles start crashing the timeline. They start accessing things before the cross. I need you to get this. I need you to get this. Jesus, in natural manifestation, had not yet hung on the cross, had not yet said it was finished, but Gentile people kept accessing grace. By what? Faith. Okay. 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 (laughs) Patriarchs like Abraham, 
patriarchs like Abraham, who's called the father of faith, operated in what was called future faith, which gave him a future blessing. He believed in what was to come, and as a result, God blessed him in the present with blessings that weren't going to be fully manifested in the natural to the future. In other words, God called Abraham righteous before Christ came. <laughs> okay, can, can I just read that scripture so I can prove it to you? Because I don't want you to think I'm making any of this up. Um, I got to read this quickly because even though I got more time, I still got to finish here. Um, for God, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life and shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. In other words, God was not punishing people because a natural manifestation had not come. I'm about to show you how powerful this is in a moment. He, he, didn't, he didn't punish people then when they believed, uh, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just. He declares sinners to be right uh, in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Uh, Abraham wasn't looking for Canaan. He was already there. He was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. In other words, Abraham was looking for Christ. And so because he had the capacity to believe, God said, I will give you that blessing now. The Bible goes on to say um, in Romans chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way, for Scripture tells us Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteousness because of his Okay. What faith is today is not just connected to what God will do, but what he did do. We're on the other side. Abraham was future faith. We're on the other side of the cross. So what we're actually doing is we're, our faith is connected to what he did do, which is why it's so offensive when we don't believe God. Because if people could believe God for what had not yet come, how can we not believe God for what he did do in this proof for it? Okay, okay. Believing and what he's already done gives us the confidence to believe in what is to come. I, I, I'm, I'm still going to wrap it up. Still going to wrap it up. Um, we say something in our church all the time. We say testimony creates faith for the future. If he did it before, he'll do it again. When you believe in what God has already done, it gives you the capacity to believe in what he will do. Or, better speaking, if you believe in what he's done, when you look to the future... You're accessing what he's done. Okay, okay. It's what we call going back to the future. Prior to the physical manifestation of Jesus crying out, it is finished. People started accessing grace through faith before they knew that they could access grace through faith. In other words, they were making time a slave with faith without knowing it. How could they do that? Because the Bible tells us in Revelation that before the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. (laughs) Jesus did everything that he needed to do for us before the foundation 
of the world, which means that you have access to everything now. Okay, okay. I, I still, I still think some of y'all are like, I, I don't get, I don't get where you're going. Let, let me just, let me just show you uh, just a couple more scriptures. And even though they gave me a little bit more time, I'm still going to land the plane. All right. I said Gentiles started crashing the timeline. There, there was a man. He was a centurion. He, he has a sick servant. He's not a part of the household of faith. He's outside of the covenant promises. He says, my servant is sick. Jesus says, I will come and heal him. The man says, I've seen you. I know who you are. I'm paraphrasing now. You don't even have to step foot inside my house. But if you would just speak the word, my servant would be healed um, he, or be made whole. He, he understood who Jesus was. He understood his authority so much to the point where he said, I understand that you have so much authority that you can literally stand in one place, speak something and see it change in another. You don't even have to come. Jesus said, I have not seen such faith in all of my own people. My own people don't believe me like that. I've never seen faith like that. The man was not asking Jesus for healing. That's what he was asking for in the natural. What he was actually asking for was grace. Something that could only be accessed by faith. And at the time, something that could only be given to those who are part of the household of faith or those who are part of the covenantal promise. But the Gentiles demonstrated something for us. They said, I, there's something about you that I see. There's something about you that I know that causes me to reach into the future and by faith pull my future blessing now because I don't know about you, but there's some things that look like they're a lot of distance in my future, but my faith says there's something in me that says I've got to have it now. I'm not bound by time because time obeys faith. The centurion man literally pulled the future into the present. The Canaanite woman, she comes and she says, my daughter is demon possessed. Jesus doesn't even pay her any attention at first. And then he says, it's not good for me to give what is uh, reserved for the children to the dogs. And she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Jesus, so moved by her faith, gave her the blessing that she would have gotten only after he hung on the cross and said it is finished. But because it was finished before the foundations of the world, he was demonstrating something for them that he's demonstrating for us right now. Faith has the ability to reach into the future and pull blessings into the present. Good place so I can finish. Hallelujah. I have more, but we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna land the plane. There's a reason why the Lord would have us say something that might even seem a little heavy for some of you in the room. But here's the deal. If we're going to place a prophetic demand on a people, 
to say it's time to rise and reign. That is not a suggestion. Some of y'all, if you, if you, that didn't hit you right there. I'm going to say it again. That's not a suggestion. God, heaven, is placing a demand on you. Okay, y- y'all not clapping right there because some of us don't feel like we can do it. But I'm going to say it again because I want the weight of it to sit on you for a moment. Heaven is placing a demand on you. Why, why would we talk about wealth transfers and, and authority and decrees and all this unless it's already done? I need you to get it. I need you to get it because I spent all of that time trying to tell you something. When God speaks to you about the future, he's not speaking to you about possibility. He's not speaking to you about what you might, maybe can, maybe you might see it, maybe your children might see it. No, what God is actually saying to you is, I'm speaking to you about something that's finished. My question is, is there anyone in the room who wants to grab a hold of that which is finished? I'm, okay, 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 you got to get this. You got to get this. Please get this. The devil stands no chance against a people who will not be deterred because they recognize that if God said it, it's already done. Because those people will recognize that everything the devil does from that point is a distraction and it's a delay. But God has said it, therefore it's already finished. It's already complete. The question is, who has enough faith to reach up and grab it? Who has enough faith to reach up and grab the promises of God? Who has enough faith to reach up and grab the future and pull it into the present? God is saying it's already done. It's already done. It's already done. It's already done. Check it out. 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 Every Prophetic word from the Lord over Zimbabwe. God is not giving you a suggestion. No, no, no. Every prophetic word from the Lord that has been spoken over the nation is already done. Here's the question, family. Here's the question for those of you in the room. Will it be done in your generation? Will it be done in your lifetime? I came to decree to you that it can be if you'll reach into the future with faith and say, God, if you said it, I believe that I'll see it now. I believe that I'll see it now. I believe that I'll see it now. Hallelujah. 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 This is my last scripture and I'll sit down. I had more, but it's okay. No, you can stay standing. You can stay standing. There's a charge for you. There's a charge for you. Because as I said to you, when God speaks a word 
You see, when pastor convenes action conference, he doesn't say, let's come up with a cool name. He goes before God and he says, Lord, what is it that you are saying to this people? And then what happens is, speaker after speaker begins to build up your faith to get you to see who you already are. You see, many of you believe that we're speaking to your potential. But we're not speaking to your potential. We're speaking to who you already are. The difference, the difference is not connected to possibility and potential. It's connected to obedience. The difference is connected to obedience. When we are obedient, we will absolutely fulfill all that God called us to fulfill. Now, here's the charge. Here's the charge for us. Here's the charge because I said to us that heaven places a demand on us. Because I think for many of us, we sit in places like this. We see God use people in extraordinary ways. And then we go home and we wonder, how can I activate this in my life? Let me tell you, the Bible says the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now, (laughs) I got to drill this down because here's the challenge, here's the charge, and then there's a demand. If the same spirit lives in you, not a different one, not a smaller one, not a lesser one, not a disconnected one, not a different one, the same, the same. Somebody say the same. Okay, okay, okay. The same spirit that was in Christ Jesus is in you. The same spirit that was in Christ Jesus that was in Paul is in you. The same spirit that was in Christ Jesus that was in Peter is in you. The same spirit that was in Christ Jesus that was in John is in you. The same spirit that's in Christ Jesus that's in any of the pastors, apostles, prophets, bishops that have spoken or that you've ever seen in your entire life is in God did something significant. Jesus said this. He said, it's better for you that I go. Because if I don't go, the comforter, the advocate won't come. Why did he say it was better? This is why the devil is scared of all of you in this nation and around the world. Because as long as Jesus was here on the earth in a physical body, his power was localized. So Jesus said, it's better for you that I go so that I can give all of you the same power. Hallelujah. To some of us in this room, now I know I'm a slay a sacred cow here, specifically in this continent. Some of us in this room, we're waiting on somebody to bless us, 
Somebody to lay hands on us. Somebody to proclaim something, to grab something from somebody. Can I tell you what the Bible says? The same spirit is in you. What's been happening when a prophetic word goes and says rise and reign? It's saying there's a corporate anointing that's coming to a people. There's a corporate anointing that's in a people. God has seen from eternity past and spoken into time and said, I have something for this nation. I have something for this people and it's in you. Here is a demand of heaven. Are you ready? Here's a demand of heaven. Jesus said, those who belong to me, the same works shall you do and even greater. Greater works is a demand that heaven has placed on the deposit that's been put in you. Greater works is a demand that heaven has put on the deposit in you. But look at what Jesus says. He says something so amazing. We're talking about faith again. He says, if any of you have faith, you can ask me for... Ask me for... Say it again. Ask me for... And I will do it. So he's saying, listen, I want you to know that everything that God has promised finds its fulfillment in Christ. Everything that God has spoken is already finished. Time is a servant of faith. Faith accesses the future and pulls it into the now. God has given you the same spirit that he gave that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Uh, it's in you. It dwells in you. Then he places a demand and he says, greater works so you also do. That's the demand of heaven on the deposit that he's put in you. But he says, I won't leave you there. When you utilize this faith to access things, when you ask for anything, it will be done. I will do it for you. Here, here is where we've messed up. Especially in America. I, I, it's my first time in Zim, so I, I don't want to make a pronouncement over you except the Lord uh, give it to me prophetically. So I'll speak about America for just a moment. People take that and use their faith for cars and houses. They use their faith for riches and wealth. They use their faith to try to ask God for fame. And here's my question. If the Lord is speaking to this people and says it is time for you to rise up and reign, he's speaking about your current condition. Whether you feel like it or not. He's speaking to you about your current condition. He's giving you a glimpse of your future. But what I need you to know about your future is it's already done. So that people, this people in this room right now and connected to this house and connected to this church, God wants to give you the nation. Wealth is not for your house. It's for you to impact the nation. These prophetic words are not for you. It's for you to impact the nation. What I need you to see is that you are already there. 
you have been seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, meaning that you've been given a seat at the table in the council of heaven to make transactions on behalf of nations. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. If you knew the kind of authority, and you do now, hopefully, know the kind of authority that you have, if time serves faith, if time obeys faith, if we're in a season of acceleration, if we're in the time where Jesus says, don't save four months and then comes the harvest, if we're in the time where he's not saying plant a seed and then sit back and wait for it to happen, but no, we're in the season where the plowman overtakes the reaper. In other words, those who are sowing and those who are reaping are on the field at the same time. In other words, you can expect to see an answer to your prayer right now. You've probably seen this stuff before. I'll give you two examples. Then we're going to crowd to God with this faith and pull the future into the now. We were in a nation in the Caribbean and the pastors there had been believing God for a long time for the nation. And so they asked us to come and lead a night of worship. Wanted me to meet with the president of the nation. Met with the president of the nation. President asked what is it that you want me to do for you? And most people who are selfish in their motivation would ask for selfish things. But at that moment, I, by the Spirit of God, said, what I want you to do is I want you to come to the night of worship. I didn't fully know what had happened in the history of that nation. So he said, that's what you want? I said, yes, I want you to come to the night of worship. He said, okay, I'll come. So we're on the stage. We're ministering. And then the presidential motorcade pulls up and everybody's shocked. The president gets out of the car, listens to a few songs of worship. And then inexplicably, he says, I want to say something. Now, if the president wants to talk, (laughs) you don't keep singing right then. He says, I want to say something. So he comes up on stage. He reconciles with the opposing political party. And offers the nation back to God. (laughs) Did not know that the previous president, I didn't know that the previous president had banned God from the nation. And said that Christianity was no longer practiced out loud. And so when he offers the nation back to God, God turns in a day, in a moment, with people who have faith to pull the future into the now. You have more authority than you recognize. You have more power than you recognize. God has put it in you. And what the enemy has been trying to do is to deceive you, to make you feel powerless because of delay. But right now what we understand is that delay is not denial. Delay is just an illusion. We're not going to get out of position. But just like Daniel, when God releases the answer, we're going to be right there in position. Two more things, two more quick things, and we're going to crowd to God. And I've already heard the sound that's released from this house, so I know what this is going to be like. We were in St. Louis, Missouri, in a meeting quite like this. The person had the microphone 
began to lead a time of intercession. Her name was Cindy Jacobs. I don't know if, if any of you have heard of her, but yeah. And, and so we're doing worship. Cindy Jacobs is leading a time of intercession. And she says, the Lord just told me that the spirit of pornography over this region has just been pulled down. And, and so we began to rejoice. And it was interesting because we woke up the next day and it was a historic day for two reasons. One was we happened to be in St. Louis the day that, if any of you know anything about baseball, I don't really care about baseball that much, but um, uh, the, the, there was this guy named Mark McGuire. Uh, he hit the record number of home runs. And the day that he broke the record is when we were in St. Louis. So the headline of the paper was, McGuire breaks record. The subheadline of the paper the next morning was, largest pornography bust in U.S. history. In St. Louis. And the subheading was, police stumble on unknown pornography factory. In other words, there was a people in the room who took a hold of the future by faith and through intercession pulled it into the now and changed the destiny of a city. Now this is my last instruction and then we're going we're gonna to crowd to God. It's my last instruction. We're going to crowd to God. <laughs> I need you to say this with me, okay? My response to the word of the Lord determines my experience. Say it again. My response to the word of the Lord determines my experience. Here's my final, final scripture here. There was a famine in the land. This is in Kings. And the famine so bad that the Bible talks about the fact that they were eating each other's children. They were selling dove's dung and horses' heads, and it was bad. And then the prophet came and said, tomorrow, about this time, everything in the markets of Samaria will be back to normal. Check it out. The king's attendants said, That would not be possible even if God opened up the windows of heaven. In other words, what he was saying is even God can't do that. But the prophet knew something. Time doesn't matter. Faith pulls the future into time. So he said to him, it will happen and you'll see it, but you won't taste of it. You won't experience it. And so exactly as it happened, the next day, uh, long story, I don't want to draw out the story, but it it happened exactly as the prophet said. And the guy who said that God couldn't do it was there when it happened, but the people were so excited that everything was back to normal that they ran over him and trampled him to death. So he saw it, but he didn't experience it. This is the danger of disregarding prophetic words. Because there will be people who you might even be sitting next to. One person will get it and the other person will see it but not experience it. Because our response to the word of the Lord determines our experience. My question is, is there anyone in the room who understands that God wants to do something significant through this nation? 
God wants to do something significant through this house. And we're not going to use our faith on ourselves, but we're going to reach into the future. And we're going to believe God that right now there are some things that are hanging out there that we said we thought was going to take two years and five years. You might even have a plan written down. You might even have something. But when you begin to lift up your voice and cry out to God with faith, you're about to pull the future into the present. And some of you are going to see a tomorrow about this time breakthrough. Some of you are going to see a tomorrow about this time blessing. Watch for the testimonies to begin to come forth as people begin to say, I didn't expect that it was going to happen this soon, but we're about to reach up in faith and pull it into the now. Thank you, God. So, so, I want us to do something because if we're going to be a people who reign, if we're going to be a people, the rise up is the encouragement part. The reign is who you are. Did you get that? It's rise up, come out from where you are and come step into position. Rise up and reign. Come out from the place that you're in and come into the place that God has already spoken for you. If you know that, you can speak over your village. You can speak over your family. You can speak over the nation and say, those things would seem to be held up. We're going to pull them into the now. Would you begin to lift up your voice all over this room and let's begin to cry out to God. Let's lift up our voice all over this room and cry out to God on behalf of the nation, on behalf of your village, on behalf of the family. Let's do business in the spirit. Come on, lift up your voice all over this room. Lift up your voice all over this room. Begin to speak from the place of victory. We're not just praying for the victory. We're speaking from the victory. He's made us victorious. He's made us victorious. We're already more than conquerors. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations as an inheritance. This is the people who are reigning. This is what reigning looks like. It's a transaction in the spirit that affects things in the natural. Lift up your voice and cry out to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. That's it. Lift up your voice all over this room. We believe God to change the nation in a day. We've seen it happen. We believe we'll see it again. We believe that the Lord can change a nation in a day. We've seen it happen. We'll see it again. Begin to speak from the future. Begin to speak it as you see it. Don't speak it as you see it now. Speak it as the Lord sees it. Begin to proclaim the words that he's spoken. Begin to proclaim the prophetic words. It's mine, and I'm going to grab a hold of it now. It's ours, and we're going to grab a hold of it now. We're taking a hold of the future right now. Yes, God. That's it. Release your faith and grab the future. Pull it into the now. Pull it into the now. Pull it into the now. And watch the nation change. Yes, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. 
Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.